In the Age of Chaos, two factions battled for dominance. The Kingdom of Azeroth was a prosperous one. The humans who dwelled there turned the land into a paradise. The Knights of Stormwind and the clerics of Norsha Abbey roamed far and wide, serving the King's people with honor and justice. The well-trained armies of the King maintained a lasting peace for many generations. Then came the Orcish Hordes. No one knew where these creatures came from, and none were prepared for the terror that they spawned. Welcome to Now Playing Podcast Review of Warcraft. The Horde embraces you, Orc. Part of Now Playing's video game movie review series. Sounds like a trap. It is not. Could be. It is not. Could be. It is not. What do you think? It's too good an opportunity to ignore. Hosted by Arnie. The new warrior for the Horde. Justin. I may have left my training, but I didn't leave my abilities behind. And Stuart. If he has not stopped, this world will burn. This podcast may contain detailed plot spoilers and mild language. Corona. It means cursed in work. Listener discretion is advised. We've got a demon to kill. Discussing Warcraft. The beginning and the end. Alternately known as the beginning and the end. I mean, <laughs> it didn't say that on my disc. <laughs> yeah, was that posthumous? And we don't know that it's the end either. I'll get to it. Mm. Starring Travis Fimmel, Paula Patton, Ben Foster, Dominic Cooper, Toby Kebbell, Ben Schnetzer, Robert Kaczynski, Clancy Brown, Daniel Wu. Directed by Duncan Jones. This is Arnie, co-host of Now Playing. Zug, zug. I can review this. I didn't realize they could make a motion capture movie without Andy Serkis. This is Stuart. <laughs> and this is Justin. Hey, you say that, but we have a disciple of Andy Serkis here. Because Toby Kebbell worked in mocap on Dawn of Planet of the Apes. Oh, yeah. He's done more than just being in the worst Fantastic Four film, and I'm looking at the Roger Corman one is better. But... He's done quite a bit of mocap stuff. He did some facial expressions for the latest King Kong film. So, cousin of Circus? Circus is Circus? Isn't that everyone in this? Like, we couldn't get who we wanted, but we got this one that sort of looks like them. <laughs> Travis Fimmel, for the longest time, I thought it was the guy from Tron or the guy from Pacific Rim, and it's neither. <laughs> so, Warcraft. Before it was a movie, it was a game. Either of you play it? I was always intimidated by its existence because it didn't feel like a game. It felt like a lifestyle. It was like Pokemon. Once you went Warcraft, like all your friends did was talk about Warcraft and you bought action figures and read novels and comic books and board games and strategy and blogged about it. It just seemed like a 24-7 way of being. And I just, I was intimidated. I went today and looked on YouTube and watched some gameplay of this first one, but that was my first inkling as to how it even worked as a game you nailed it it's a high cost of entry for a game that didn't look that intriguing to me you know my sensibilities for games are never resource management strategy as far as like how to flank enemies and stuff like that and throw in the fact that it's medieval-ish with orcs and knights and stuff like that it was definitely something i had heard of because it was just huge 
but nothing I was ever interested in even trying. Well, Stuart, what you're talking about is World of Warcraft, which is where I jumped off the train. I was really into what they call the real-time strategy games, which we haven't had any movies based on yet. I mean, we've been doing arcade-ish games like Donkey Kong and driving games, shooter games, but the real-time strategy games is a genre all to its own that started with, of all things, Dune 2. Dune was a video game? And they made a second one, which became a template for an entire genre of game that there were Star Wars entries in, Age of Empires from Microsoft, but the biggest ones were Warcraft, Starcraft, and Command and Conquer. Oh, see, and when I watch this, and I want to say, not cinematic, you're basically taking this overhead view of these orcs, like, cutting down trees and bumping into each other. It's, like, mostly of what I saw, <laughs> but it reminded me a lot of a game that I did own for Sega Genesis, Populous, which was what I would equate to, like, a video game ant farm. Like, you had these little people that were your pets, and you could grow them by either letting the land flourish or wishing catastrophe upon them, but it was kind of an early version of what you're doing here in Warcraft. Yeah, when we were discussing this beforehand, you mentioned Populous. I had never put that together, but it is somewhat similar in that you are the commander of this. In Populous, you could not control the people, though. What Mm -hmm. you could do is raise the land and lower the land, and your people liked flat land, and you could build troops, and then you could build them towards other people, and they would just fight when they found the opposite army. You might have been able to make one a profit. I remember somebody gets a staff, but you're right. Ultimately, the people, they reacted to what you were doing with your god complex. And here, it looked like you would specifically tell an orc, go work out and get better at fighting, and you go cut down this tree. It's a combination of combat and what Justin said, resource management. Now, my favorite real-time strategy was the Command & Conquer series, specifically Red Alert, which was an alternate future where we were doing nuclear war with the Russians and things, and it had this convoluted timeline, but it had real actors doing cutscenes and a lot of fun gaming. I played the hell out of that one. Because I played that so much, my friends told me to pick up Warcraft. This was when Warcraft 2 was out, so I picked up those. Very similar. You have to go cut down trees to get wood and go mine to get silver, gold, and iron, and you need to get the resources. And once you have the resources, you can use them to build buildings or build weapons. Buildings can create troops or create medics. You know, you need a building to create weapons, and then you can upgrade that building so you can create better weapons. So half of the game is racing to get minerals, and the other half of the game is then using the war tools you've built to take down the other army. It does get repetitive because you're starting from scratch every single time. It's like, here's your five dudes, go build a building. (laughs) That's why it's just, it's overwhelming to think of playing something like that because it's like, no, I want to go and do the thing and you're telling me I have to go make a hut so that then some people could live there and grow a family and then eventually they can fight. But there was very little actual war in the Warcraft that I watched. It's a strategy game. The thing I liked is it was kind of like the old miniature games. You know, I didn't get too deep into miniatures and that kind of tabletop gaming. Oh, like Bunker Hill. Yeah, my dad was big in that, like Blitzkrieg, all those World War II games. Yeah, well, I'm thinking even things like Warhammer and that sort of thing, 40K, Mech Warrior, where you have all the, you know, the stuff that happens at Gen Con, mm-hmm. where you've got eight foot tables and a whole bunch of people on them and you're taking turns moving them and doing stuff. Yeah, I never went to those tables, like stayed away from those tables. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there were some computer games that simulated it and 
they were okay, you know, they were fine-ish. One was Masters of Orion. It was pretty good. I never got too deep into it and I kind of sucked at it. But when you took away the, I wait for you to make your turn and you wait for me to make my turn, you took that out of it. And now we're actually operating in real time and I can do stuff and I have different types of troops and I can send them over and watch them do their stuff instead of just waiting for a die roll. It made it really adrenalizing and it was strategic at the beginning. You have to decide what resources to go after. Yet it was also a lot of fun. It was just so fulfilling to spend an hour building my army and then just watch them mow down all the enemies at once. It just, it had a feeling of satisfaction. And again, these are multiplayer games. I had land parties where many of us would play at once or I'd get on a modem and play against one other person. And Warcraft was an interesting one where it really hit its stride was Warcraft 3. And I was obsessed with Warcraft 3. That had a really involving storyline, but you could play as four different races. The first two were just humans versus orcs. And in fact, the movie we're going to discuss today takes the story straight out of that first game where orcs have opened a portal and are entering this realm and are attacking the humans. And you just have these initial skirmishes between the invading orcs and the humans. But it continued on by part three. There were four races. I played that so long and to the point that Marjorie was just tired of hearing my orc I loved playing as the orcs zog zog I can do that every time I told him to go like cut down a tree stop poking me that was the one I kept hearing <laughs> I can't remember that one but there were a lot of these games I was playing in the 90s I loved them but then Warcraft took a hard left turn these games are created by Blizzard and Blizzard is one of the studios that is perhaps the most regarded because they barely make crap they did Warcraft, they did a kind of a spin-off StarCraft, which was basically Warcraft in space with different species. They did Diablo, that's another game that people can spend a lifetime playing. But I was really interested when they announced this World of Warcraft coming out just two years after Warcraft 3, and then I found out it's not a strategy game. It's a massively multiplayer online role-playing game. Like Star Wars Galaxies was. Exactly. I have stayed the hell away from those except for Star Wars Galaxies, but they're all pretty much the same. Instead of being in command of an army, you're one person, you're one elf or one orc or one human, and you go around and you kill little things and you build up skills and you find other people to play with online and you go on quests. This is is where the high cost of entry is. This is where people have logged 400 weeks of game time. And I'm not saying they played every day for 400 weeks. I'm saying they played 24 times 7 times 400 hours in this game. Yeah, that's always been my impression. I thought it was going all the way back to the first one. But my impression is it defines you as a person. Oh, what do you do? I play Warcraft. You know, you write it on your resume. That's my job. Yeah, exactly. And I stayed away from it. I also don't like these because they have a lot of what they call the microtransactions. I'm an old school gamer. I pay for my game. I take it home. I play my game. You don't get to charge me more once I take it home. Now, if you put out a full expansion pack and I choose to buy it, that's fine. But you can't go, I'm charging you $10 for a sword and $5 for a shield. That's bullshit. So 
I did play Galaxies. I have dipped my toe in the MMORPG. I did become pretty obsessed with Galaxies for like a month, and then I quickly escaped. It's not my jam, and that's all Warcraft has been. They ended up doing like a free trading card game for your iPhone, but since 2004, Warcraft is World of Warcraft, and it's worked for them. They have called this, arguably, the biggest multimedia franchise in history. Not cinematic, but Mm. at their peak... They had 12 million actively playing subscribers to the game. They have books, a ton of books, comic books, like you mentioned, action figures. There's so much that is Warcraft, but they never got a movie going. And they announced it initially way back in 2006. I mean, that's only two years after World of Warcraft began that they were going to do a movie. Uva Bull approached them to direct. <laughs> I have to love the response. This is from an interview with Uva Bull. <laughs> they said, we will not sell the movie rights, not to you, especially not to you. <laughs> it is such an online game success. A bad movie might destroy that ongoing income. I see Atari's like, we love what you did with House of the Dead. And these guys are like, if you ever do this to Warcraft, what you did to Alone in the Dark. <laughs> I told you, they have good quality control. I appreciate that. Yeah, you want to protect your assets, for sure. And so, if not Uva Bowl, who else could do it? Well, we end up with Duncan Jones. And Jones came to it. Initially, the script was, good humans fight bad orcs. And that's all it was. And he came in and he's like, I think we could do a bit more. We need to have heroes on both sides. You can play both sides. You can play the orcs in the game. So why not have good orcs and bad humans as well? And so once he did that, Blizzard was on board. They didn't like the script they had either. And so he really brought this around. But who is he? I've seen his movie Source Code. Here's the thing about Duncan Jones. I think he gets too much mileage out of the fact that he has a very famous dad. David Bowie is his father, and this is a guy that has made acclaimed sci-fi movies. I think everyone wants him to be the David Bowie equivalent of a sci-fi filmmaker with the space rock and now the, the kid doing the space movies. I saw Moon. It was his breakout film, Kevin Spacey, Sam Rockwell. It's an intriguing first film, but I kept hearing the word brilliant being used, and I kept being like, eh? I couldn't go with all of the hype. And I did catch up with Source Code in preparation for this movie. I did not see it when it came out. Again, an entertaining film. I liked it. But brilliant? The next future of filmmaking, I I couldn't rectify the hype I was hearing about Duncan Jones and what I was actually seeing. Yeah, I like both Moon and Source Code, and at least knowing his work from there, I felt like maybe he could bring some clever twists or something to what to me on paper just feels like a retelling of Lord of the Rings just without the mission in the middle of it. To me, this looked like Avatar when I finally saw the trailer, you know, particularly the teeth. And that was the deal breaker. When I see this chick with this underbite, (laughs) no, Uh -uh. I do not want to see anybody make out with that. That is ugly. I did not see this movie. I had no interest in seeing this movie. When I heard they were making a Warcraft movie, I was a little bit intrigued because I liked the strategy games. I would never read one of the books, but I was a little intrigued. Once I saw this trailer, I was just 
out. Medieval is not an easy sell for me. It's kind of like a Western. I just, I can like stuff in it. Listen to our Lord of the Rings reviews. I do like some stuff in it, but it's a higher barrier of entry for me. And the other thing is, Legendary Pictures and Universal tried to shove this movie down my throat in 2016. It was supposed to come out in 2015. It fled from The Force Awakens. It was supposed to be a December release. They moved it to May of 16, and that's the year, like, Civil War came out. Every movie I was going to in May and April of that year was starting with, it wasn't a trailer, so much as a four-minute discussion and behind-the-scenes thing for Warcraft hosted by Duncan Jones. Yeah, a la Avatar, like Stuart said. I mean, that was the romp to Avatar, was they weren't telling me why this movie is awesome. They were telling me why making this movie was awesome. Yeah, and it sets up again that this is all-encompassing. It's going to be important changing the hype on this thing. Again, it died a terrible death here in America, but it's one of those funny ones where everywhere else... It was a huge hit to us. Like, it opened at 24. It didn't even make double that for the rest of its run. It topped out at 47 million. But when you look at international, it did not quite Avatar money, but it did really huge. You know, over 400 million total worldwide. That's enough to pay for its 150 million budget. Easily. And it's really odd because it has a comparative... It actually surpassed Prince of Persia as the highest grossing video game adaptation of all time. Dare to dream. (laughs) Well, name recognition is going to get you somewhere in this category, I think. Well, you look at 433 million. If 12 million people played the game and each of them paid $10 and took a date, that's halfway there. But I again, was America wrong? We can be wrong. I oftentimes find in music that I like what Europeans are listening to that Americans haven't caught on to. So maybe there's hope that this was just a European thing we just weren't hip enough to. I had some hope as we approached this retrospective that this might be one of my favorites. I had fingers crossed going into this, even though I didn't see anything about it that was visually appealing to me. I had some hope that Duncan Jones was going to finally deliver on that brilliant sci-fi art tour thing hey we have a whole book about underrated movies underappreciated movies movies that bombed but were actually really good i'm more than open to thinking the public can be wrong and i went in with the same optimism yeah and you know what i never saw this it was definitely on my radar i mean not from lack of trying from the folks behind it walking the toy aisle they had a whole bunch of adult themed action figures meaning they were expensive not meaning they were naked. <laughs> okay well partially <laughs> <laughs> again that's something i don't want to see <laughs> Sure. The distinction being they weren't marketing these toys towards kindergartners or grade schoolers. They were six inch action figures with a lot of detail, more aimed at a collector type of age. So, you know, they were in my face. The movie poster was a clean, cool, graphic looking couple of faces. I knew the name of the property. It just never interested me enough to go out and see it. What's really funny is I was in the theaters the weekend this opened. We reviewed The Conjuring 2, which beat it in the box office. I do. I remember walking right <laughs> past the work. I even put my head in. I'm like, did anyone go see this Warcraft thing? <laughs> nope. Nobody was in that place. 
I'll say this, though. I did get this movie in 4K because it looked visually appealing, but then I did some reading. What I read was this movie is one you need to see in 3D. That, like, technologically, it is up there with Avatar in use of its 3D. So it wasn't easy. It's getting harder and harder to watch 3D at home here in the States. But I ended up getting a 3D Blu-ray of this and breaking out the dusty glasses in my home theater and watching this in 3D. I'll say this much. That is damn impressive. The singularly best 3D experience I've ever had at home. It was IMAX level. That's one thing that I did have hope going into this is everything I did see of it, it looked like very competent CGI work. So at least it wasn't going to be a Fantastic Four level kind of failure on that front. I think my thing going in was high cost of entry. How much do I need to know about this world? How much do I have to have invested in knowing characters and races and stuff to even get caught up with what the movie's going to tell me? Well, Arnie, why don't you tell everybody what the plot is and we can get into Warcraft. Zug zug. The realm of Azeroth. Should I just stop now? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about high barrier of entry. <laughs> All right. The realm of Azeroth is a land where humans, dwarves, elves, and trolls live in relative peace. It is ruled from the kingdom of Stormwind, ruled by King Rin, played by Dominic Cooper. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> don't worry about it. He's still talking about the trolls. I don't even think they're in this film. <laughs> I want to apologize to the Warcraft fans who are listening to this. I'm not making fun of your entire lifestyle. I know there's some great books out there by authors I respect. But man, this is a hard to sell into a movie. Because into this realm comes a warband of orcs using a portal to come from their dying world of Draenor. They're led by the orc warlock Gul'dan, played by Daniel Wu. Gul'dan uses a magic called the Fell, which saps the life from beings and turns it into dark magic. Well, Gul'dan had to kill every prisoner the orcs had to get the warband to Azeroth, and he hopes to capture enough new prisoners that he can bring over the entire orc horde and overrun the planet. The orcs attack several settlements, and the Stormwind's military commander, Anduin Lothar, played by Travis Fimmel, fights back and captures a half-orc slave, Garona. Not Gamora, she's green though, but Garona, played by Paula Patton. The knack really missed getting in on this. Garona becomes their friend and helps fight on the side of the humans. Very worried by these events is Khadgar, a teenage mage played by Ben Schnetzer. Though Khadgar dropped out of magic school, he begs the king to contact the guardian of Trisfall, the powerful magic user Medivh, played by Ben Foster. Meanwhile, the orcs start to question the leadership of Gul'dan. Leading this revolt is orc chieftain Durotan, played by Tony Kebbell. He notices this new realm is dying due to Gul'dan's magic and has a meeting arranged by Garona where Gul'dan hopes to forge an alliance with King Rin where, combined, they can kill the evil orc wizard. I'm so sorry. <laughs> for me? For you? For the listener. This is... It's dull to watch. It's worse to hear a summary. <laughs> it really is. I fell asleep <laughs> writing this. <laughs> I'm not kidding. My eyes felt heavy. 
The clandestine meeting is discovered, though, and Durotan is killed by Gul'dan in ritual combat. But Gul'dan won using magic, making his troops lose faith in their leader. King Rin leads an attack on the orc camp. But it turns out Gul'dan had help opening the portal to Azeroth. The wizard Medivh was corrupted by the power of the Fell. While he's supposed to protect the kingdom, he instead is working to kill it. He's killed by Lothar and Khadgar working together. His last act is to make the portal go back to Stormwind so Rin's overpowered forces can retreat. But Medivh dies before Rin and a few of his troops can escape. Surrounded, Rin asks Garona to kill him so she will be seen as a hero and can try to change orc politics from the inside. But then Lothar comes to get the king's body and believes Garona was treasonous. He engages in ritual combat with Gul'dan's strongest warrior, Blackhand, played by Clancy Brown. Lothar is victorious, though Gul'dan wants him to die anyway. The orcs, led by Garona, insist Lothar be allowed to leave unharmed per their traditions. And as the movie ends, the elves, dwarves, and humans form an alliance against the orcs to be led by Lothar as credits roll. Mm-mm-mm. So let's simplify, shall we? Please. Yeah, because that's a lot of vowels and a lot of <laughs> syllables that don't have any meaning to me that you just uttered. Yes. The opener tries its best just to break it down to the fact that it is orcs versus humans. We have this nameless human picking up a shield and this nameless orc coming at him and this voiceover to tell us this is a war that's been going on forever. But before it was a war, it was a green magic named Fell. And so the whole problem, the whole villain of this movie is not orc or human. It's an evil green magic that'll make you bad. I'm really confused even by this opening because if this war has been going on forever, are we seeing the future? Is this the, are we now like seeing the beginning of the war? Is this opening battle like Terminator, the T-800 in the future? Yes, I think that we are seeing, yeah, maybe even the last human versus the last orc killing down to genocide here, but uh, we can hope, right? (laughs) (laughs) First question of maybe many, why is this called Warcraft? There is not a submarine. They don't use a ship, a boat, a car, a cart, a skateboard. There are no crafts in this. Oh, no, 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 no. You're crafting war. You are crafting your strategy. That's what the game is. Oh, I thought there would be a lot of, like, vehicle, like, (laughs) fetish. You know, look at this tank. It's just a gate. They just have a gate you walk through. You don't need any craft to get you to point A to point B. No, Warcraft meaning you are strategizing and crafting a war. Okay, okay. I fully appreciate that now. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what I'm saying? I'm waiting to see the cool ships or whatever. It's just some hunchback wizard going gaba gaba goo (laughs) and making all these people in cages, you know, their souls get sucked out and turned into a door or something. All right. Here's my simplification of this. Is like Game of Thrones, like Dune, like Lord of the Rings, like Harry Potter. This is an epic that has multiple characters' point of view and many parallel quests, all of which will eventually, in four or five films, lead to an epic conclusion. We're, in fact, seeing something I didn't even talk about, the baby here. We're seeing, like, the birth of Moses. This is going to be a multi-generational epic. 
Or not. Which baby? The green baby? <laughs> yeah, the green baby. <laughs> I got a question. All right, I get that. Like, all these orcs, they're being gathered to, like, you gotta fight. Like, it doesn't matter what your situation is. But they even yell at him, why did you bring your pregnant lady <laughs> to the battlefield? <laughs> no, she's not supposed to fight. They mention in their loving scene in bed together about her having to hide her belly so that she can go away from the dying world to this new world they're going to conquer. People just think she's fat? <laughs> yes, I mean, <laughs> she's not hiding that belly, but all right. My first question actually is, is a little bit more nerdy than that. Is orc not a Tolkien thing? Like, is that the same saying troll? Anybody can use a troll? I think it's been appropriated. I do believe that it was Tolkien, but like many things probably that he wrote now that we've had 70 years of fantasy since then it's for anybody to use yeah according to wikipedia the concept of orcs draws on a variety of mythologies but the main conception comes from tolkien and i mean let's face it the creators of dungeons and dragons raped tolkien's works and created a game out of it and from that point on it's pretty much fair use sure but by saying this is an epic i say that because there's just a lot of grandeur here with the intent and hope of being one of those sagas. My version didn't say the beginning either on the box or on the screen, but this is intending to be the beginning of a Chronicles of Narnia type scenario. And I will grant them, they have the mythology here. A lot of these characters, I've not read any of the Warcraft novels, but many of these characters, many of these situations, they come not only from the game, but the novel as well. There was even on my Blu-ray a motion comic where I spent an hour learning how Rin became king and how the Guardian became corrupted by the Fell. And that's fine. I mean, I think universe building is an art in and of itself. We can all just appreciate the time that it takes and the detail. I mean, certainly Tolkien, when you get into those books, it wasn't about pushing a story forward. It was about really selling you on an entire universe encapsulated. But he always was good enough to find a central character, a point of view, a little hobbit to help us through. It's very important. Key to all of this is giving us the information when we're ready to consume it. If you give it all at once, you're really going to overwhelm, I think, a majority of at least Americans. Obviously, Americans said no. Now, over in Europe, maybe they're more accustomed to this kind of storytelling, and it wasn't a problem. But I definitely, when they start jumping around here, very quickly feel like I don't have a point of view character. I'm exactly there with you where I was thinking Lord of the Rings. And why did I like Fellowship of the Rings so much? It's because we spent some time in the Shire. We saw them having dinner. We just got to know these people in their everyday lives before the ring screwed everybody over. Here, we're starting this. People are dying. There's this hunched over... I can't even tell if he's a regular orc or if he's furry. He's wearing robes, but he looks like he's just really hairy. I just think about Nicodemus from Secret of Nam, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, I was getting a little bit of that too. You know, through this opening, it is. We kind of laughed at the dorkiness of it, but that's not my place to make fun of that. I have my nerdy things too that I get into, and I'm not going to judge anybody on that. I'm fine with that. But the way this movie's presenting it, it's telling me right up front, like, hey, if you're not in this club, good luck getting caught up because everything we're showing you here is for the people who have spent 40 hours a week playing this game. 
you can have multiple main characters, but you need to have the one dude or, or lady that's going to carry it. And I think they chose poorly. I think they end up picking this human because they think we're all humans. We're going to care about the human. The one to care about is the one that's caught in the middle, right? It's Garona. You know, she's half orc and half human, which means, yeah, she's got some really fucked up teeth. But did they have humans on this world of Drano? I don't know how it happened. I assume there's a motion comic. I'm not going to read it. But I feel like she is the heart of the story. How did she get this way? How does she feel to not be accepted by either world? If it's going to be about these two cultures clashing in war, who better to show us than the person caught between? She is neither orc nor human. Who does she fight for? But she's barely a factor here in the beginning as we rush through. Can't wait to tell us every single character, which is the wrong impulse. No, in fact, the way this begins, I really think our main character is going to be Duratan. I mean, we're introduced to Duratan on their original world. He has his wife and they're going to be pregnant and he's a chieftain, which means he's basically middle management of the orcs. But he has a conscience. He's not opposed to war, but he's also not totally down with using black magic to kill a whole bunch of people. He prefers the old ways. I think he's going to be our main character, which is ballsy because they have CGI here that is very well done, but not going for photorealism. I felt like I was in this weird Roger Rabbit hybrid of Pixar and real life. Again, my reference is Avatar, and there was a movie that proved that masses of people could get behind an alien race because it would have been cool to be Navi, right? They have really cool tails. They plug into things. They can do cool stuff. I don't want to be an orc. All right, you're exposing me. I'm a bigot. I don't like orcs. (laughs) He's an orcist. (laughs) I am, and I do not want to see them make out with humans. I don't want the species to mix. I don't want it. I don't want them coming. I don't want the portal open. I No, zero. It's a no-go. Admittedly, orcs are a hard sell, and because they're not usually even considered that intelligent. That's why the one that I would always play, the warrior, was guy was like, I can do that. He spoke very monosyllabically. Yeah, and when you're playing the game, you don't really get these close-ups here. Like, I don't have to look at this. Yeah, I'm from a character design standpoint, I'm just seeing, you know, underbite hulks here. <laughs> mm-hmm. So much so that the longer hair ones look like Hulk has a son named Scar later on in the comic book series dead ringer for these guys here yeah it gets worse because there's not just one orc there's all these different tribes and they're all brought together and they don't get along and so i'm supposed to keep track of which orc to like or not and no yeah it's an incredible hurdle to start with it seems like a mistake to start here i'm not having a hard time keeping up i can follow everything they're telling me with the possible exception of a lot of characters names i did have certain trouble with the names but where i really started to spin my head as we spend a lot of time seeing these orcs come here and then for reasons i can't quite figure out all of a sudden we jump several different places because i'm writing down we're in iron forge and then we're in Stormwind. we never go back to iron forge by the way he goes there for a gun and a dwarf or i don't know what he was yeah he's a dwarf yeah gave him a gun and then that's it Did we need to do that? I mean, if you're universe building and Ironforge is a big place in the third movie, I guess. But just be judicious. Just don't overwhelm us. It's like talking and not taking a breath. You know, like, take a moment. You're not an auctioneer. We'll get to that part of the story. Tell me what matters now. 
But right from there, we go to Stormwind. I finally am like, okay, we're at the capital. We see the castle. It's been a long time since I played Warcraft. I've forgotten a lot of these names. I get from the opening shot, we're in this movie's Asgard or whatever you want to be. But now we're seeing Cadegar going around and doing a medical examination on a dead body. How'd this body die? What is going on here? And I don't think we ever find out. I mean, this is what's the most irritating, is that they're showing us these things, and if there's a payout in this movie, I totally miss it. Basically, here's what you need to know. There's this evil green mist that is all over everything, and if you get it on you, then you start to act really evil, and so that's it. It's rudimentary how silly this villain really is. Ultimately, orcs, humans, all of those are not the enemy. The enemy is a green glow. Well, from what we see later, I took it that this corpse was husked by our main, the fell user. How he would suck the soul out of people slowly. Sometimes he would do it all at once and take all of their juice. Sometimes he'd do it slowly. We saw a scene later on in the movie where he's slowly bleeding a human and taking his spirit. Yeah, but here's the thing with that. I thought he needed those spirits to keep the portal open or to open an entryway into the world of mankind. This is happening in the world of mankind. So for him to come to this Stormwind castle and do that to those guys, what's he doing with their energy then? Right. Was this just the body that was left on the other side of the portal that somebody found and brought back? There's no answers here. It's... I think this is supposed to be a hint that there's treachery afoot in Stormwind and a clue that somebody in Stormwind is using the fell, which we will find out is the Guardian at the end of the film. But it's so poorly established. I don't know who Kagar is, let alone who this dead guy is, let alone what the fell is. What the fell is going on is what I'm asking. <laughs> it is, is the truth. It is really, yes. It is not that I can't follow what's going on. It's that I'm angry that it's being told this badly that's what's happening like i don't understand the hectic manner in which we're stumbling around careening yeah jumping places scene by scene when all you're really trying to establish is our main character i think is this human lothar and he's cool because he has long blonde hair and he's kind of the vigo mortensen of this realm and so he is going to work with this magic user to try and find out why green evil mist is floating around in their realm. Yeah, sure. He's the cool cop who's going to bring the information to the sergeant as needed. You know, his king. So yeah, he's working with this rogue magician who we'll find out is uh, maybe not necessarily up to task. He gets kind of called out by the guardian who is the guardian of the entire realm. And he's the main guy who keeps everything protected. And he's the one who knows the magic. But as the movie progresses on, the younger magician is the one who's figuring things out. Yeah, I feel like he could be our hobbit. Like he could be our Bilbo Baggins. Ultimately, if you wanted to simplify, maybe it's not in keeping with the universe of Warcraft. But if you're trying to tell a story that appeals to people that don't play the game, show us how this guy fell out with wizard school he's harry potter and a lot of people can like that but he didn't make the cut he walked away but now he stumbled onto a mystery people are dying in a weird mysterious green way that is a way of bringing us into this but we're now 18 minutes into this movie and we've seen nine different realms and our heads are already spinning yeah it's just way too much in so many different kinds of ways and yet it's also moving pretty dang quickly through everything because before I know it, the orcs are starting battle and they 
catch Garona, and now she's a captive as well as some other orc that they're just going to kill off. Yeah, I don't know why she was a captive from, like, was she fighting them? Like, where was she before? Again, if you are neither orc nor human, where do you live? Who are your parents? How did this even happen? Why were you one of the first to come through the portal? Yeah, I'm glad to see we're all on the same page. This is a universe that you may find appealing, but I don't think anyone's going to appreciate the way that this has haphazardly been strung together. And so I'm stumbling around trying to find my end to the story. And I think it kind of gets going once Garona is found by our Vigo Mortensen character. She yeah ends up for some reason being in chains in this human realm and they find each other and he tries to court her and get her on his side so that they can stop the orcs. I think it's only fair to mention that she is freed by Durotan, the main orc that we start the movie with. We kind of follow him through this initial battle. And I mention it because later on in the movie, something's going to happen to him where I feel like they just did something to the wrong character here. And like Stuart's been saying, we need somebody to follow. This should have been the guy that we continued to follow on. Yeah, you're right. They've set him up a lot in the beginnings of this movie to only not follow through later. Yeah, pick one. Make one a main character and we can follow what he's doing. But yes, at the beginning, he seems like someone that we can like because he doesn't like war. We see him in an early battle scene. Other orcs are pillaging in a human village. And he's like, you know what? I didn't sign up for this. I don't like the idea of just easy pickings and killing other lives just to be brutal. He has an ethic, a code. So I can be with this guy, ugly though he may be. He could be my main character. I can be swung in this direction. But then he disappears for the middle of this movie. And there's this whole question about whether humans should even meet with him or not again this script is out of control so who do we like who would you want to spend time with now that we've seen the whole array of what's going on here what are you most drawn to i can say for me personally i like the actor ben foster i don't really like him in this wig but the fact that he has been this weird gandalf mystical wizard that's disappeared for six years and what he's been doing well gandalf did that too i'm wondering what his story is that's the one that i'm trying to figure out i like kadar I think that he has the most on-screen charisma. I really think that he's more interesting. He has more energy than Lothar. Lothar does just feel like a wannabe Viggo Mortensen, like you said, or even worse, Sean Bean. So I know what he is, and I'm not interested. I think you could not have cast somebody worse than Dominic Cooper as a king. (laughs) I mean, unless you're going for the incompetent, petulant king type, but no, as a competent king that is going to be a tragic death at the end, no. But I like this guy who is the dropout, but yet still doing the right thing. He knows what's going on, but he's not going to usurp your favorite character, the Guardian. He's going to tell the king you need to call the Guardian. He's like the person who dropped out of the police academy, but then says, call the cops. I like his character. The actor isn't necessarily charming enough to be pulling off what they're trying to do here. There you go. I feel like the movie's trying to get us to feel more for Lothar by introducing his son into the mix, where you just know that he's there with a bullseye on his back. Just so we can feel lost for this character that I'm not feeling anything for one way or another. It's a trope that usually it's the girlfriend, but like in superhero movies, reaction movies, if we know that we've got a one-dimensional hero that doesn't 
you know, say a lot or have a lot of dimension or play by an actor that's not particularly emotive. What you do is you kill off someone that he loves and that's going to get everyone on his side because he was wrong. And so, yes, they have this patsy child that every time he shows up, he's giving him advice. I'm like, it won't matter. It won't save him. Everything that you're saying will not save him when the moment comes. Yeah, and there's so many relationships. Like, Lothar is the brother of... The queen, who's married to Rin, why? What does this do for us? It's just more to keep track of. I am overloaded. I'm keeping track of it all. But here's the worst part of it all. In this movie, there's no payout. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. You are not rewarded for realizing that the hero's sister is the queen. That won't do anything. No. So many of these characters that at the beginning I think are going to be the main characters fall by the wayside as we continue to go on. Mm -hmm. Lothar does not do all that much in this film, and Durotan also just kind of disappears for like half an hour or more. Right. It's one thing to give them separate storylines. A skillful writer would do something in which we see something in the human realm and it mirrors what's happening in the orc realm. I think that might be what they're trying to go for, that Durotan, when he goes back after running away from the human realm and, you know, saves Blackhand from being killed because Blackhand is seen as a coward and a traitor, someone that ran from the enemy. Maybe that's supposed to be in contrast to the way we see humans, you know, they're more ethical. I think we're supposed to like the humans because not only are we human, but they also just seem more reasoned, uh, less brutal than these orcs. But they're not earning any of that here. It's just implied that humans would side with humans. And the, the further along this movie gets, it's becoming apparent to me that this was almost written as if they had a trilogy to tell. And then about halfway through the movie, somebody's like, you know what? We're not going to guarantee a trilogy. Why don't you just squeeze it into one movie? But yet there's still so much here to leave trails for a sequel. But at no point do I believe while watching this movie that they have an idea of where it's going to go beyond looking at what the games did and what happened in the future games. And probably the books, since a lot of these characters come from the books. Yeah, you mentioned games, and that's the root. That's why we're doing this series. That's why we're covering this movie. When I think about what I saw of that game, well, it's about strategy. I don't care who to side with. Show me cunning on the battlefield. Show me people that come up with an ingenious way to win the battle or take the crown or do something cool. Unfortunately, I don't see a lot of strategy here. It's essentially about how do we keep the gate open. It's really a movie about a door. Yeah, there's a little bit of hand-waving towards that strategy you're talking about, Stuart. There's some scenes in the war room where they have their hexagonal topographical map where they're talking about having so many men along this ridge and keeping them contained along the south bank of this river. Yeah, that stuff is what I wanted to understand and like, but they just race right through that. I never understand a single word the king says. No, not only is there not much craft, there's not much war here. Right. There's a lot of plotting, there's a lot of talking, but... We never, even when the credits roll, get a major war like the end of Return of the King, which is how this should be. I know that you're going to say, listeners, but this is Fellowship. We need to wait three movies for that. Guess what? Every level of Warcraft, I started off with my few guys, Zug Zug, go cut down a tree, and I ended by storming a castle. And then I did it again the next time. I want a war. I get a battle that I don't even understand when we get there. 
Yeah, and there was one other scene. They have like an aerial shot where you can see villages burning. That was the only time I felt like what I was looking at looked like a video game screen. By and large, the battle is in the distance. You see smoke, you see fire. You do not get there in the thick of it. And I don't know why that choice was made. It's a PG-13 movie, but I feel like with it being mocap animated, there's a lot more leeway to show violence and get away with it. They could have done it. I will say when we do get fighting scenes, you know, we have an early battle in the woods. They are playing around with that PG-13. They're earning it a little bit. There's a lot of gratuitous fighting and skull crunching and bones breaking. It's not pulling punches and trying to be Disney-esque in its fights. I mean, it's we're seeing humans get smashed by huge hammers. That is true. The fact that it's animated does not mean that small children should see this movie or would appreciate it. I do think that they are going for something more sophisticated, something more adult. There's no kid characters here. It's actually a surprise that even though there's a baby and they cut to some facial reaction shots, there's no comedic relief character there's no adorable creature there's nothing to placate a young audience or just someone that isn't into fantasy but might appreciate those kind of details yeah i liked the two funny hobbits pip and took i think they are but i enjoyed their antics yeah Every character here is so bland. Even the half-breed who's going to give this emotional speech about, oh, broken bones heal stronger. My bones are very strong. I looked that up, by the way. It's bullshit. Yeah. (laughs) I'll keep my bones unbroken. Thank you. It it turns out that they are stronger briefly right after healing, but eventually it just becomes as strong as any other bone. You're nailing it, though. This is exactly my problem with this movie. Every performance and every character is just on the line of bland. Some people may raise their voice every once in a while, but it's just not resonating when that time comes. So what is it? Is it some of it is they're standing in a green room with dots on them, right? Some of it is they're not engaging with an environment. They may not even be standing next to their co-star in some cases because they're acting against something that's animated. Some of that is the remoteness. Some of it might be Duncan Jones and, you know, him not having a handle on the story, not being able to tell the actors what he wants from them because maybe he's not even sure. Who approves a $160 million budget where your biggest star is Travis Fimmel? I mean, seriously, the lack of charisma on screen here. And I'm not saying I need to know these people. There's just nobody who's captivating me on this entire cast. Uh, Travis Fimmel is on a popular show, Vikings. I don't know if you've ever caught that. But have, you sa- have I told you about my uh, <laughs> heavy barrier for fantasy? It's not quite <laughs> fantasy. It's It tries to be historical. I think it's on National Geographic or something. They try to go for a more accurate depiction of Viking life. And so there, I don't believe there's any dragons or anything like that. But yes, it is of that time period that if you associate it with fantasy, you're not going to love it. But maybe this guy was going to be a star or maybe they thought that they could build off of that. I don't have a problem with untested people in the leads. I agree. It's weird. Normally, you don't trust franchises to unknown elements. You want star quality. But the star here are the visual effects and what Duncan Jones is doing to the characters to make them extraordinary. I don't care about having a star. I can see movies with people I don't know and realize, hey, they're good at that. For example, I'd never heard of Chris Hemsworth before Thor. Everybody kept saying, oh, that's Kirk's dad. That was the thing he was best known for before Thor was Kirk's dad. But 
he commands the screen when we get there. Same thing with Hiddleston. I didn't know him before Thor. I mean, do I have to be the one to bring up Star Wars? You guys always bring it up so much. But those people were not recognizable, name brand, proven. I mean, that wasn't even expected to be a franchise. I don't think anybody knew what they had there. I'm just saying I want people with charisma. I want better people. I didn't know Gary Sinise before The Stand, but he worked for me, you know? Go to stage, go to somebody. I don't have to know who they are. They need to be better than this. Yeah, I agree. You gotta ask Paula Patton, is this worse than Robin Thicke was to you? I mean, it's... (laughs) It's, it's bad. I, she looks bad in that green paint. She has no good scenes. And again, a love story. Really, of all the things you're going to ask of me, I'm going to want her to lock fangs with a human? Oh, my God. And they even cut a scene where he goes to her and he's like, I'm in so much pain, but I want to hurt more. She's like, you want me to hurt you? And she starts punching him and it becomes sexy. <laughs> <laughs> All of this is why I keep clinging on to Durotan and his story. He's the one who recognizes what's going on with the other orcs, that what they're doing is not good for anybody. It's not good for humans. It's not good for life wherever they go. It's not even good for orcs themselves. So he wants to try to plan some sort of meeting with the humans so they can all work together and take down the main baddie. And I think they do a pretty shitty job of hiding the fact that Ben Foster is tainted by this fell. In his early scenes, he throws that young magician against the library bookcase. And all the time, everyone's like, well, we don't know what you've been doing. And he seems kind of crazy here. So when he's standing over there, like casting spells with lightning and all of that, I think he looks pretty scary. I'm onto this movie's big surprise before it reveals it, that he's kind of the real enemy here and that poor Duratan, yeah he's just trying to negotiate something that falls apart i was surprised though because the whole movie we're looking at Gul'dan, and he's all hunched over, and he seems like a really old wizard, right? But then he's going to get in a fight with Durotan, and I'm thinking it's like Mumra from Thundercats, where the old mummy turns into this huge muscular young dude, because he's going to really be able to hold his own. Uh, Again, these are the wars that we're getting. It's one-on-one battles with maces and swords and hammers. And tribal laws and traditions. This stuff, I think, is a lot to ask for people to learn all of this orc lore. Only a third of this movie is going to involve orcs, and most of the time is spent over yonder with the humans. And again, I keep saying it's a human realm, but then there's also these elves and trolls and what have you. They come to the table, we think we're going to have a fellowship moment, and then they're like, nah, we don't want to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, what was the point of that? I mean, they were trying to get the armies together, but nope. Yeah, they're banking on the fact that we will, at the very end, the fact that they finally come together at the end is some kind of note to launch us into a hope for a sequel. I don't think they understand how this stuff works. No, we need to be launched into this movie much earlier. We don't need to be thinking about sequels. You need to be selling people that don't play Warcraft on why it's cool to be in this environment. We really need to focus more, and I'm not just saying it because it's one of the few actors I know, on King Rin. Because King Rin is going to be the one that they pull out to have this meeting with Duratan. King Rin is going to be our sacrificial lamb at the end of this. But 
we're spending so much time with Lothar, I don't see a lot of the king. The king stands back and every so often says, yes, Lothar, go do that thing you already wanted to do. Mm-hmm. You're right. Why not eliminate that character entirely and have the king do everything? If the king lost his son in this moment instead of Lothar losing his son, it would mean the same thing, maybe more. I don't know why we need to have two of them. What if Lothar was the son? And the king was older, and Lothar got killed. We wouldn't see it coming, and then the king would have a reason to go into battle himself. Because here, he's going to be like Captain Kirk leading him into war. Now, I know in Macbeth, in ancient times, the kings actually went into war. But I personally think of modern times where the king stays back, and, you know, like me playing Warcraft, tells the others what to do. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. That would have read a little bit better on the screen. These guys are too close in age. And the only difference at this point is one has a beard and the other one doesn't. And by the time the king is coming up with this plan in the heat of the moment, it makes no sense to me that he feels like he needs to die to get peace on the table. I don't understand where that came from or how Garona is going to be the conduit to that. Yeah, again, whenever this movie tries to think it has something to say about strategy and Warcraft, that's an absolute no-go. I do not understand the few battles that we get here. And I'm frustrated by the fact that this wizard that I've been eyeing suspiciously the whole time is the one that did it all? Like, we're going to find out the little boy wizard has this map. It shows that he was the one that opened the portal for the orcs to come in to the first place? And he doesn't even know he did it. He was so corrupted by the fell. It's like he's a heroin addict and he was high and doesn't quite know what happened. Arnie, in the game, you can play humans or orcs, right? Uh Uh-huh. So they don't want to piss off either side. They want people that like orcs, people that like humans, to feel like they're both the good guys. Well, you can also play as magic casters, too. So why are you leaving those guys out? Yeah, well, because they got to make someone a villain and it's been Foster. (laughs) He's always the villain. I get that. And in the games, it does look corrupting. You can upgrade characters by, like, having them undergo magic spells and become something more monstrous. And so I go with that. And you do have to have bad guys and good guys. I like that there's heroes on both sides. I like that the orcs aren't just completely stormtroopers or the orcs in Lord of the Rings, where there's nothing redeemable. I like the idea. I like all the ideas here. And you know what? I bet they're better done in novels and games because I'm sure when we're saying, let's combine these characters, let's eliminate these characters, a Warcraft fan is listening and wanting to rip off his headphones and scream at us. But it's not like that in the universe. They have to stick to canon. And you know what? They need to adapt for a movie. And I point to nothing better than Marvel Comics. They are taking 60 years of convoluted comic history and putting it on screen, but they're changing a ton of it up. They're putting Infinity War on screen, but it's not exactly like the comics. They put Civil War on screen, and people were like, well, how can you have Civil War when you don't have Goliath in it? Because Goliath was so big, no pun intended. And they adapted it, and that's what you need to do here is take all these books and these games, melt it down to four at most main characters and four more at most supporting characters and tell us a story a smaller story yes i think with going with your marvel analogy there what marvel was also able to do was 
after 10 years of being their own new mythology, forget the comic books, now a person coming in just today would have a hard time figuring out where to jump in in the Marvel Universe. I think that's why Black Panther was smart. It's like, hey, you don't have to know any of the stuff that came before this to get into this movie and enjoy it. That's where Warcraft should have started. Start off a little smaller, tell us a personal story, and then maybe move us on into a bigger world of intrigue and and wizardry or just do a better job i mean honestly i think that even with what they wanted to do here because the story's not that hard at the end of the day there's a gate some orcs want to come in the humans don't want to let them in it's not that complicated you could do that and i can see probably on paper there were parallels we'll have an orc that's a wizard and he's bad and then we have a human and he's a wizard and he's bad and they're really the ones that are keeping our good orc warrior and our good human warrior back they tried to do that it's just the fact that we can't see it watching the movie is a testament to poor writing poor directing and maybe poor performance again i think look at the marvel universe it's filled with captivating characters even if you don't know what's going on you laugh you smile you get excited you get impressed with what they can do and here even though it is a technical marvel my eyes can recognize some of this stuff is really good it's come away since avatar i think it has advanced in the special effects realm since avatar but it's certainly i mean they're not getting the same emotional pull from this it's a step back in terms of storytelling yeah that's what i was saying when i said i bet it's good in the books is that none of their storytelling decisions are bad every single one of the way they tell it is awful 100 percent. there's not a single right choice in how information is conveyed here other than pretty graphics why bring in a golem? I just... All right, so your main guy is <laughs> a wizard. Lord of the Rings has golem! <laughs> a different golem. G-O-L-E-M. But yes, I... Maybe maybe that's all it is. But, but I feel like if your bad guy's a wizard, fight the wizard. Like, why are we... I, are they worried about violence? Again, are we making a war movie in which they're afraid to show blood being spilt? I didn't think so. And yet the fact that they're fighting a big sculpture instead of fighting flesh and blood people. I just think what we're seeing is a checklist of things that somebody at Blizzard or somebody in the know is like, okay, fans are going to want to see this. Fans are going to need to see this. And making sure that somebody making this movie adhered to that entire checklist so that they can all be on screen. But to go with the Marvel analogy, having a guy saying, I'm building a golem would be fun fan service to be like, oh yeah, I know what that's gonna do. Mm-hmm. Actually launching it this movie is a different story. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and I'm, I maybe because I don't get caught up in this mythology stuff, but I'm usually not one to care too much about canon. Like, continuity all of that stuff what you do is you have writers that don't know the canon or don't care about the canon write the story and then you give it to those writers that know the canon and they can go can't do that can't do that you fix it that way but you don't give continuity nazis full reign to say it has to be done a certain way you absolutely cannot do that because you will make a story like this that has absolutely no appeal beyond gamers and again i wonder if gamers like this because where is the warcraft where is the strategy behind any of these battles we spend so much time getting to know characters that ultimately do not matter and don't fight even duratan's wife dead yeah Duratan's son, born and then literally put on a river, and when the end stinger comes where he's found again, I forgot about him. I just 
gone. Right. Duratan himself. Yeah, he gets hugged out here. We think he's going to have a big, impressive battle when he indeed challenges old Hunchback. And no, this Goldan basically hugs his soul out. And it's because some orc code is disrespected that no one understands that it becomes a problem for him, keeping a, a fan base. And he brought a gun to a knife fight. You know, I got that. But but then I thought maybe it was being set up as a noble death to help change the hearts and minds of some other orcs, which it does for exactly 30 seconds before everybody falls back in line. And then they repeat the beat later when they do the exact same thing. There's another showdown between Aragon, I'm sorry, Lothar and Blackhand, and... Again, Gul'dan wants to cheat, and the orcs turn against him again. Why do that? Especially if he's going to survive this movie. If the big payoff is him constantly winning over these people, the payoff at the end needs to be his overthrow. Yeah, what got accomplished here? So Gul'dan was using other people's souls to keep a portal open. Has that changed? He, first of all, doesn't have the new souls he wanted. And then the second thing, and this is utterly crazy to me. Okay. The king gets its people together and is like, we're going to go attack the orcs. And we're going to take Garona with us as a warrior. We're going to go attack. So they're attacking. The portal's green. The evil wizard guardian is going to be killed. Mm-hmm. And the fell leaves him. And so he's himself for his dying moments. He's going to have a redemptive action of opening the portal so that the troops that just got there for mm-hmm. battle can run the hell back home. Yeah, again, this is Warcraft or Peacecraft or Draft Dodgers. I mean, I... seriously, <laughs> we just got here to fight. Oh, look, there's home. Let's get the hell out of here and leave the king. What did they think they were going to do when they get there? Bake cookies? I don't know. But yes, you're absolutely right. They didn't come to fight a war. No, they came to save the humans that had been captured, I guess. Somewhat of an altruistic goal, but still. So the villain can still open this gate tomorrow, presuming it can find some more spirits, which is no trouble. I mean, any life form will do. You just A deer walking by, rip it out, and there it goes. So nothing got stopped here. The king thinks by dying at the hands of Garona, she'll now be queen or just a war hero she's the one who killed the opposing king and since she's a friendly that's better than having it done by blackhand but really all they need to do is stop this one guy goldan goldan's the only problem there would be no invasion and no war if were it not goldan she just needs to go and stick him yeah. Right. It seems like most orcs, which maybe they didn't set this up properly. Is there a, maybe I'm going to sound orcist too. Is there a difference between the green orcs and the gray orcs? It felt like the gray orcs seemed to have more verbal skills and like had more thinking ability while the green ones are more warlike and animalistic. Yeah, that's my sense as well. Yeah. It seemed like for the most part, orcs were ready to go along and get along, but Goldan was able to keep changing their minds so if you're not going to kill him what is accomplished here yeah nothing people died our hero lost his son he lost his king he lost his orky girlfriend he wins one fight here at the end for black hand there's one orc that has a big freddy krueger hand and because he wasn't wearing a cup he's able to slide underneath and (laughs) slice him from below ouch I get that's a, that's a way to win, and because that was some orc tradition, he gets to walk away. With the body of his king. Yeah. 
Again, stakes. Even in Fellowship of the Ring, there was Balrog. There was a battle. Things transpired. It was a different plateau that they had reached by the end of that film. Here, I feel like anything that happened in the middle could have not happened and it wouldn't have changed where we're at. And here's where we're at. Justin Stewart, do you recommend Warcraft? Justin. Okay, let's let's click off a few things that they did good here. The CGI was not terrible. Some of the battles were fun to watch, as sparse as they were in there. Just any of the acting, any of the interpersonal conversations just were not working for me. And here's where I feel bad. I feel bad for people that are actually fans of Warcraft as a genre. The people who like the novels, like the games. For this to be the movie that they get, it's got to feel like a sword in the back. You know, I I know what it's like to be a fan of a franchise. And if I would ever get an entry like this that just feels so just over-the-top fan servicey yet hollow, I would be very upset. I bet you I'd feel like how some of these people who think that Ryan Johnson ruined Star Wars with The Last Jedi feel right now, but with actual reason. This is just a big-budget mess, and I don't want to return to this world if it's the same people and the same story if somebody feels like this property deserves a reboot five ten years down the line i'll go back and check it out again but yeah this didn't get me into wanting to try out the games or read the books or anything like that but at the same time i'm not going to judge anybody who's into this world because i can see the seeds of something cool in there it's just not my cup of tea so this is pretty hard not recommend for me Stuart. My favorite version of that, Justin, is at the Green Lantern premiere and the guy in the t-shirt coming out and going, yeah, it wasn't that bad. (laughs) I know. It is rough. It is rough when you have invested in something and it does not deliver. And this movie does not deliver, I don't think, for anybody. I Definitely someone that didn't know the property. It comes off as a severely disorganized Lord of the Rings, comes much closer to a overpriced homage to Krull, and... (laughs) Director Duncan Jones is the problem. I do believe that he loves his world building, but he can't distinguish an important detail from an insignificant flourish. And so you spend the whole movie wondering, should I have paid attention to the fact that the wizard made that flower and did that do something? I mean, there are so many times I went down a tunnel and there was no (laughs) end. There was no reward for trying to dig and see what that little detail played out because there is no main storyline to carry you through. I mean, I kept asking myself, what do I even want to happen? (laughs) Who cares if this is not Earth? It's worth pointing out they're humans are gear. This is not earth let the best strategist win right if the orcs take it because they're good at battle cool that i'm fine the the best military mind should win just give me a war and give me some battles that are intriguing that approach the mind and the heart and the eye and that's all they really had to do and i'm sure some people that have liked duncan jones other movies might be inclined to say well he didn't have enough time or resources that you know they cut him down to two hours i recommended dune i recommended avatar i recommended most of the middle earth works there were scenes in all of those that work there is no scene that i like in this movie there is not one moment that comes off well There are maybe the ideas of scenes or characters that could have been put together. But start to finish, this is a boring, bad movie that I cannot imagine anyone would enjoy. It's a strong not recommend. And I'm shocked because, again, I had hopes that this was going to be one of the better video game adaptations. And I need to stress, I had hopes too. 
I bought it in 4K thinking, hey, it'll look really pretty. And then I got it in 3D because I really wanted to immerse myself in this world. I looked forward to it. Fantasy is a hard sell, but I am predisposed to like Warcraft because I really loved those first three strategy games. I'm not going to hold the fact that they just do MMORPGs now against it. I was anxious to see this world that I knew was so well defined and interesting from the games brought to life. I really went in with a smile on my face and 3D glasses on my head. And within the first five minutes, I'm like, wow, this looks so amazing. This is so cool. An hour into the movie... And this was not late at night, but it was evening. My eyes felt really heavy, and I'm like, yeah, I've never had this at home before, but I think my eyes are getting tired from the 3D. They're wanting to close, and I think I'm going to take a break because it's evening. I'm going to come back and watch it tomorrow, fresh in the morning, and do it then. I come back in the morning, and I'm like 10 minutes in, and my eyes are feeling heavy again, and all of a sudden I really realized what I thought was eye strain was boredom, and just this movie was putting me to sleep. If I had eye strain, it's because they were rolling back in my head way too hard as some of the stupefying storytelling decisions that were made here. It's not just that this movie's bad. We've reviewed a lot of bad movies, especially as part of this video game series. It's that this movie is self-important that it feels like each character here is a biblical figure like it's trying to adapt the bible and like well you can't leave out jesus all his apostles moses adam eve and noah we have to have all of them in there they're big players but you try to shrink that into a two-hour movie and you just get a jumble i really really hate this movie (laughs) Oh, yeah. And again, the problem is not that they didn't have enough time. Can you imagine if this were three hours? I'd be screaming. Like, no scene is good. There is nothing here that I want elongated. It was just poorly made. Yeah, exactly. And I'm scared, because we've reviewed this, that there will be a sequel. I mean, it's considered a financial disappointment, according to Wiki, even though it made $433 million global. you got to remember, it's about a 50-50 split stateside for domestics. But once you get overseas, the studios don't actually get as much of the money. It differs country to country. Mm. But then there was home video. They, I'm sure they broke even. Although I'm sure that their accountant says they lost everything because that's how Hollywood works. Yeah, it's always difficult to know what truly the profit margin is, but it's got to be on the fence. They've got to be thinking, with America completely saying, we don't care at all. Honestly, I don't know if Duncan Jones is going to work again, because I went and saw his new movie that premiered very recently, direct to Netflix, Mute. You heard about this one? Ooh, no. Nobody said anything to me about it. Yeah, well, but I'm <laughs> You know what? If this was trying to be Crawl, Mute is Blade Runner delusions, but closer to Southland Tales. It's Alexander Skarsgård is an Amish man in a technological future investigating his missing girlfriend and it's full of again world building quirky little details that are like oh that's fun that's neat but what it adds up to I couldn't even believe like when the plot revealed itself what was going on it's pretty pointlessness is I think a genre that Jones is pioneering he might be desperate enough to need Warcraft 2 but I would think there would be less confidence in him now that he's not seen as cool and infallible anymore I'm stuck on the fact that there's yet another Skarsgård out there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and I just think that because Warcraft is such a successful property that they would want to try again 
And what I kind of think of is like G.I. Joe. The first G.I. Joe movie was not very good and did not do very well, but it did well enough that they did a sequel that changed everything and like took a 90 degree turn, but yet didn't reboot so quickly. We still had Channing Tatum thrown around. Yeah, they killed the people that they didn't want from the first movie and brought back people who died in the, the first one into this one. Yeah. I could see a sequel coming. If it is under different creative hands, I'd be happy. I'm going to end this by saying two positive things. First, I'm keeping the 3D Blu-ray. Because if anybody ever wants to see 3D just demoed on my home system, this is the movie I'm going to put in. It is becoming a reference disc. It will never play for more than five minutes at a time, but it will be the demo disc I give to say, look at how cool the 3D is. Second... This movie comes with one of my favorite bonus features, the descriptive audio for the visually impaired. And listening to it just describe the logo for all the different movie companies. Universal, a camera goes over the earth. It zooms out. We see letters scrolling. I've learned new vocabulary words as it tried to explain to me what the hell the legendary pictures logo is. That's hilarious. What was that series that used to come with Laserdisc players, like Beyond the Mind's Eye? Yeah. It was used for demoing? Mm-hmm. Is that what this is for you? It's the new Beyond the Mind's Eye? Yes, it is. <laughs> so, there's a couple nice things about the disc, but there's nothing nice about this movie other than technical proficiency that is already surpassed. Thanos is better than anything in here, but I'm sure for the time, this was great. Yeah. This movie is so bad, it has tainted my memory of the games. Like, I thought I'd come into this and then be on GOG or Steam and be like, I'm loading up some Warcraft 3 just for some retro fun that I haven't had in a long time. No, I'm like, screw it. I'm just going to go back and play some more freaking Final Fantasy. That was a bad movie where I liked the game. I know I like these games, but I just don't want to see orcs. I don't want to see humans. I don't want to see any of it again. I'll have to admit, the first five minutes of this movie, I had the thought like, oh, geez, I watched some of these action figures like wither on the shelves and go for clearance and I still ignored them. What if I end up liking this movie and have to go back and get all of those? Luckily, that didn't happen. <laughs> yes, look at it that way. A windfall of money is you. you don't have to go get them if you like the movie, Justin. You could just like the movie and not collect it. Listen who's saying that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, maybe we'll have better luck next time. We're sticking with video games, and next week we're doing one that, again, I, I don't know this property at all. Tekken. I thought this was Robotech. It's not. It's a fighting game. Ah, Tekken is the revolution of Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat into the 3D fighting realm. I know of Tekken. I don't know Tekken, but by next week I will have played some games and watched some movies. So we'll do that. And meanwhile, I think if you need a gulp of air from the badness of Warcraft, last week we reviewed Al Pacino in Carlito's Way, where he was a gangster. And this Friday... A movie that I know I love, I know a lot of people love, Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, Val Kilmer in Heat. Yeah, he's the cop in that one. It's important to keep 
in mind that Al Pacino is the good guy, or at least the cop, and so he is part of our Platinum series. you got to go all the way to Platinum to get it, but yeah, it's going to be just as epic as Warcraft, but much more coherent. And Natalie Portman's there. Yeah. I'm excited to hear what you guys say about that one. I'm, I'm going to revisit it with you. I haven't, I haven't watched that movie for probably a good 15 years, but I remember liking it quite a bit at the time. So we hope you'll join us on Friday for our Platinum Donation with Heat. And for one more gangster movie, over the weekend, New Jack City came out. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. An underrated one. One I have a very soft spot for. I won't say it's a great film, but I have a great time watching it. I like the song enough that I wrapped New Jack Leprechaun during our Leprechaun in the Hood review. <laughs> I Want to Sex You Up? No, New Jack Hustler. Oh, okay, all right. Well, that one's not in it. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did. I want to sex you up to Leprechaun in yeah, the Hood. I, I mean, I don't know. That's the big song from the, uh, the soundtrack. <laughs> so until next week, game over. My world may be lost, but this is your world. Take what you need from it. Make a home for the orcs and let no one stand in your way. You are the son of Duratan and Draka. An unbroken line of chieftains. And our people need a leader now, more than ever. Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Trust in your friends. Together, you can save this world. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week for another new movie review podcast. If I return, would you take me into your clan? And in the NowPlayingPodcast.com archives, you can find reviews of other video game movies, including Super Mario Brothers, Doom, Resident Evil, Alone in the Dark, Need for Speed, Street Fighter, Double Dragon, Mortal Kombat, It Came from the Desert, Tomb Raider, Rampage, Wing Commander, Final Fantasy, Prince of Persia, and more. We save as many of our people as we can! Also at our site, you can find hundreds of other movie reviews, including Star Wars, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Independence Day, The Avengers Films, Back to the Future, Batman, Superman, The Fast and the Furious, and more. Don't try and take a moment with brute force. Do you want to continue? Insert money now to keep playing, now playing. If we do not unite to fight this enemy, we will perish. Now Playing Podcast is a show without any sponsors or ads. We rely on support from listeners like you to keep Now Playing operating. All have been summoned. You can donate to the show and, as our thank you, receive bonus podcasts. Over 150 bonus movie reviews are available to choose from on the Now Playing Podbean page, including Alien, Night of the Living Dead, Jurassic Park, Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones, Lord of the Rings, Psycho, Troll, and more. Find a full list of available bonus shows at nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash donate. I need them. I need all of them. You can also join the Now Playing Patron campaign through our Podbean site. Patrons of $10 or more get a new exclusive movie review every month, plus even more perks, including one where you can pick a movie for our hosts to review. Find the details on our website. It will be a mighty warband.
Just wonder who's left to fight. If you want even more Now Playing reviews, place your order now for the first Now Playing book, Underrated Movies We Recommend. Get reviews of 125 films our hosts love. You can order the book by clicking the banner at the top of our homepage. I didn't know so many books even existed. You can follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where we post announcements of new episodes and where the hosts post movie mini reviews. Links to our social media pages are available on our homepage. You will follow this thing? Will you? You will follow this demon? Now Playing Podcast is produced by Arnie Carvalho. It promises great power, but it exacts a terrible price. Now Playing's video game retrospective series is edited by Steve and Arnie. I've never felt as much pain as I do now. Now Playing credits read by Brock. Not the face, but the voice. Like fire and ash. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated. You should have trusted in your chieftain. Venganza Media Incorporated is not affiliated with the motion pictures reviewed or otherwise referred to herein. All movie clips and music included in this podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review and no infringement is intended. The magic unlike any other. Now Playing Podcast is an exclusive trademark of Vinganza Media Incorporated and may not be used without the expressed written permission of Vinganza Media Incorporated. All rights reserved. I can't control the film. No one can. Now Playing is a Vinganza Media production, copyright 2018, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Vinganza Media Incorporated. For the sake of your son, Draka, leave now. Toby Kebble, Ben Scheitz, Ben Schne. <laughs> Scheitz? <laughs> I thought I saw some shites in this. Schnetzer. Ben Schnetzer. So at least it wasn't going to be a Fantastic Four level kind of failure on that front. Are we talking Fox's 2015 Fantastic Four? (laughs) Take your pick, but I'm thinking Corman. (laughs) Picture this, but everywhere. Because into this realm comes a warband of orcs using a portal to come from their dying world of Draenor. That's the name of it? I mean, you don't have to say it again, but I just, I, know, I didn't even like it. it Draenor? Like... <laughs> That's what I was reaching for, let me tell you. By this point. I wonder if I typed it wrong. I wonder if it was Draenor and I have a typo. It's fine. You know what? Just keep flashing. No, it's Draenor. <laughs> <laughs> Guldan uses a magic called the Fell, which saps the life from beings and turns it into dark magic. Does this sound like Mad Libs? <laughs> no, it sounds like my, my my soul is being sapped right now. Yes. Yeah. I really feel, Pig Latin Mad Libs. I really feel like every proper noun here is just... 
All right. What, which ones have I had? I mean, I've already had Azeroth, King mm. Rin, Gul'dan, Gul'dan, Draenor, <laughs> the Fell, <laughs> and the Stormwind's military commander, Anduin Lor, Anduin Lorthar, Andru, <laughs> Anduin Lor, <Andrin laughs> deep breath, <laughs> Anduin Lothar, played by Travis Fimmel. I don't know which of those names is real and which of those names is fake. <laughs> I almost could say Travis Fimmel played by Anduin Lothar. <laughs> Surrounded, Rin asks Garona to kill him so she will be seen as a hero and can try to change orc politics from the inside. For the sequel. See, it's all building towards this is the beginning. We're just getting started here. I want hours and hours more of this. This must be what people that I'm trying to talk into watching Game of Thrones must feel like as I'm speaking to them. <laughs> yes. I swear it's cool. It's cool. It's not all wizardy and stuff. But then Lothar comes to get the king's body and believes Garota was treasonous. Yeah, I actually think if you do plot summary the six seasons of Game of Thrones, it'll sound just as bad. <laughs> yeah. There's the White Walkers. And there's the Mother of Dragons. <laughs> But then he disappears for the middle of this movie, and then there's this whole question about whether humans should even meet with him or not. Again, this script is out of control. Did we lose Arnie? No, no. I'm fucking sitting here. <laughs> I'm lost, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you I feel like how some of these people who think that Ryan Johnson ruined Star Wars with The Last Jedi feel right now, but with actual reason. This is a big... <laughs> They think they have a reason. Yeah, I think they have a reason, too. <laughs> Thanos is better than anything in here, but I'm sure for the time, this was great. Yeah. Last summer? <laughs> <laughs> to, hey, this is almost three years old now. Remember, it was supposed to come out in 2015, and they held it on a shelf. Uh, okay, fair enough. But they should have released it in December. Then they could have just gone, Star Wars killed us. Instead of The Conjuring had better magic. But... 